0: This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have as your children are gathered together to worship you in spirit and truth and study the Word of God. Now, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on are limited human abilities to teach. But I am trusting in you, therefore I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. And thank you now for supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe that you will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that you will enter every person's mind. Bring understanding, riveting confusion, every heart, bring faith, dispelling all fear. And we'll be careful to give you alone the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that's revealed in the through your word and by your spirit here today. In Jesus' wonderful name and all those who love the Lord said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. All right. There's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ about problems and storms in life, and circumstances that are not favorable. uh, The question is, where do they come from? Who sends them? When things go wrong, is it the devil? Is it God? Is it God allowing it to happen? All this confusion robs the believer of his faith. A believer is not going to stand against a problem if he's not sure who's behind it. If a problem comes and a believer thinks, God might be testing me, God has allowed, I've done something wrong, that's why it's happening. It robs the person of their faith and they can't stand against it. They don't use their weapons. So it's a very subtle, cunning uh, trap of the devil. And by the grace of God today, we will clear this up once and for all. And I'm hoping that all the pastors will get this message and listen to it again and make sure you get it in your heart. All preachers need to know this. And we need to teach our folks these truths. Amen? All right, so where do storms come from? John 10:10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So that the only reason Satan came is to kill, steal, and destroy. The Bible says when the devil is locked up for a thousand years... There'll be nothing that hurts hurts, or harms on the earth. There'll be nothing that hurts or harms on the earth. During the millennium reign, when the devil is locked up for a thousand years in the bottomless pit, there'll be nothing that hurts or harms on the earth. When he's out the way, Satan came only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life, and that you may have life more abundantly. So, this Jesus came to give me abundant life. Now, abundant life is not just eternal life, but it's the fullness of successful life on the earth. Can we see the contrast? Jesus did not come to give some problems and abundant life, and the devil didn't come to give some problems and a little bit of abundant life. The devil's always got an evil plan at the end of the day. Always. He might give you a carrot, but I'll tell you right now, behind that carrot is something very evil. It's a trap. Number one, storms come from the devil trying to steal the word. Why does the devil bring storms? To steal the word. I didn't make that up. Jesus said it right here in Mark chapter 4, verse 15. And these are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear the word, like you are now, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And if you read Mark chapter 4, you'll see problems come sent by the devil to take our eye off the word. To steal the word out of the heart of the believer. And he comes immediately. Say this, when problems come, it's the devil coming for the word. If he can rob us of the word, he'll rob us of our faith. Because faith comes by hearing the word. And if we have no faith, we have no shield. We can't protect ourselves from the fiery attacks of the devil. Amen? If we have no faith, we can't ask God for anything. Nothing's going to come. We won't receive anything without faith. James 1, verse 5. Amen? So without faith, you can't please God, you have no right standing with God, and you have, because we are righteous in God's eyes by faith. Like Abraham, his faith, God declared him righteous because of his faith, right? So because we are believers in God, we have right standing with God. So we we are robbed of our right standing, robbed of our ability to produce and be productive. We are absolutely powerless against the devil and God can't help us if we are robbed of our faith. And Satan comes from the Word because that's the root of our faith. So there's every attack that Satan brings my way is to keep me out of church, out of my Bible, out of the Word. I hope the lights come on. Okay, the second reason why things go wrong in life and why, why, why attacks come and problems come is because of our wrong choices. Our wrong choices. A young lady that decides to sleep with her boyfriend and gets pregnant can't blame God for her pregnancy. There's no confusion about that. The young man that steals something and ends up in jail with a cell ministry can't blame God for that. Can't blame God for that. Somebody tries to sneak up on a skunk or a polecat and gets sprayed and stinks like hell can't blame God for that. Amen. You reap what you sow. Number three, storms of life come because they're wrong seeds. So wrong choices are, are, are really, that I think is no brainer. And uh, so if you make a wrong choice, a wrong decision and problems come, the best thing to do is ask God to forgive you and uh, retrace your steps and take the right road. Amen? Amen? All right. Number three, storms come because they're sowing bad seed. I've got my things mixed up here. So are you <laughs> wrong choices? Bad seed. All right. Number three, bad seed. All right. Now, if somebody does something that hurts somebody else, they must expect a bad harvest. They must expect a at harvest. Because God said right here in Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. So if you sow carrot seed, you reap carrots. Right? If you hurt somebody, you're going to be hurt back. If you lie about somebody, somebody will lie about you. That's how it works. What you sow, you reap. Amen? What you sow, you reap. Remember, Isaac got dressed in his brother Esau's clothes when he stood before his father. Sorry, Jacob got dressed in Esau's clothes and stood before his father Isaac. And uh, his father was blind from old age in bed, couldn't see. And he came for his oldest brother's birthright blessing. He said, I am Esau, in other words, I've come for the oldest brother's birthright blessing. Meantime, Esau did sell his birthright to Jacob for pot of, stew. pot of stew. Remember that? All right, so he's there before Isaac, and Isaac blesses him, feels him, smells him, all that, because he has his brother's clothes on, and uh, then blesses him with the oldest brother's blessing. Now, several years later, he's working for Uncle Laban, and he wants to marry Rachel. And Uncle Laban gives him Leah instead, the ugly duck. So now, remember, they didn't have light bulbs in those days. He was living in a tent. It was dark at night. And Uncle Laban brought... His bride to him, and I guess he was in a hurry, didn't look too well. <laughs> but in the morning, when he woke up, he saw you know, Aish. <laughs> I've got Leah. <laughs> But here's the thing now, okay? He was dark, he couldn't see, he's in bed, he thinks he's got Rachel, he's got Leah. Isaac was blind, he was in bed, he couldn't see, he thought he had Esau, and he had Jacob. So you reap what you sow exactly what you sow. Are you tracking me, church? So if somebody does something bad to you, just ask, have I ever done that to somebody? And if your answer is no, I haven't, then you know it's not a harvest, it's the devil! Rebuke him. Resist him. Call him out in the name of Jesus. Just ask yourself, when something goes wrong, have I sown that? I make it a point. I don't sow bad seed anywhere. I don't want a bad harvest of anything, any time. I want to do good to people, so I can get good back. Are you out there, church? You do reap what you sow. Amen. Number four. God can ask you to reach a group of people with the gospel, you might be, you might be antagonistic or even hostile toward the gospel. In case, uh, in, in case in point, you might be asked to go by God to work at a certain company where everybody is very worldly and don't want anything to do with God. But God will always show you first the challenges that you are going to have to deal with that lie ahead of you. No tragedy will come your way sent by the devil without God trying to warn you first in your heart. He will give you the opportunity to decide if you're going to go or not. If God calls you to work a certain company, to win them with the gospel, to let your light shine, He's going to ask you, are you prepared to go work there? And you've got a choice. Yes, I'll go or not. If he calls you to ministry, you have a choice. Yes, I'll go or no, I won't go. Or if you are in ministry, he might call you to go to a certain country. To go and preach there on a trip or not to preach there or to go there permanently. Or for many years. You have always got a choice. If God calls you to reach a group of people... They are difficult. They will present problems along the way. So you know ahead of time whether you'll go or not. And it's your choice to go. It's not that God is sending problems your way. It's God needs those people saved, and who will go and reach them? Who are prepared? Who's prepared to pay the price to go and reach them? But He wants to know if you'll—will you pay the price? If you won't, fine. Get somebody else then. It's not God sending problems your way. God's not trying to be nasty to you. It's never God's trying to reach them with the gospel. All right. So number five, God never sends storms your way. He never sends storms your way. God does not send cyclones. He doesn't send hurricanes or earthquakes. That's not God. John ten ten. Jesus never sent the storm to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. He went to sleep. The devil sent the storm to steal the word from the disciples. What word? The word was, go over to the other side, Luke 8, 22. Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. That's what Jesus said. That was the storm, that was the word the devil came to steal. Alright, the instruction that God gave them. Because Satan will always try and stop you from doing what God's called you to do. Anything that God sends you to do, the devil will try and stop you from doing it. The devil's not going to sit back and let you do what God tells you to do. If you're on a mission from the Lord, you better know, Matthew 16 verse 18, the devil's going to put roadblocks up. But the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. Don't pray this prayer. If God opens the door, I'll go. If he doesn't, I won't. Because the devil is God of this world. He can close and open doors. You know in your heart, if God's telling you to do it, kick the door down. Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen, 18, the roadblocks of hell will not prevail against the church. Kick the door down. In the name of Jesus, we're going through that door. The door closes and you know it's God, right? That you have to go. So, Satan sent the storm to get the disciples to take their eyes off the word. Let me just say this first. Jesus secured their victory to cross over that sea. Jesus went to sleep He knew he had taken care of them crossing the sea. He had taken care of it. How? By saying, let's cross over to the other side. That was their guarantee of success. That's it. Now, Jesus has done all he used to do the word of God cannot be broken heaven and earth will pass away the word cannot pass away it's in concrete you shall go over to the other side end of story now I can sleep now I've done my part now you go in that authority that's why Jesus was unhappy with them when they woke him why are you waking me? where's your faith? didn't you hear what I said? Where's your faith? In other words, Jesus is saying, you should have taken care of the storm. I spoke the word. They should have got up and said, Jesus said we're going over the other side in the name of Jesus, I come on the storm to desist. Or we're going over through the storm, but it's not going to hurt us one way or the other. Whatever you choose to say is sufficient. Based on the word spoken, you act. You quote what Jesus said. This storm will not stop me because Jesus said I'm going over the other side. Either that or this storm goes now in the name of Jesus because Jesus said we're going over the other side. Whatever you say based on what Jesus said will work. So Jesus can sleep because he's taking care of the crossing. So he gave him the authority, just like he gave to Peter to walk on the water. He said to Peter, come. Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We have the authority, family. Praise His name. Amen. God has given us all the authority we need to deal with the devil who come, who brings the storm. Who brings the storm. The storms in life, In the the storms in the life of Paul, in Acts chapter 9, we have all heard of the many, many challenges that Paul went through. Many challenges that he faced. But in Acts chapter 9, the Lord Jesus spoke to a man by the name of Ananias. Not Ananias and Sapphira, different Ananias. In a vision, and told him to go to Saul of Tarsus, and lay hands on him, that he may receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he saw Jesus, he fell off his horse, blinded by a light, and he couldn't see. So, he was afraid to go because he'd heard that Saul was locking up Christians in prison in Jerusalem. Taking him to Jerusalem, locking him up. And then Jesus said to Ananias, go, because I've called him. And he said this, very interesting, in Acts 9, 16. He said to Ananias, I will show... Paul, how much he must suffer for me. I'll show him. Before he goes, I'll show him the future. Paul therefore had a choice. I will go and preach the gospel knowing the challenges that I'm going to encounter along the way or I won't. He had a choice. That's why God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. In other words, I've given you all the authority in the world. I have a covenant with you, Paul. My authority is yours in that covenant. You can use it to take charge of your circumstances. I don't have to do anything more, Paul. I can sleep in the boat. You can do it. I've given you everything you need. Calvary has purchased for you all you need. My grace has already conquered everything that you are going to face. That's why my grace is sufficient. That doesn't mean... My grace is sufficient. Okay, Paul, my grace is sufficient. You must suffer. Go through and suffer and suffer and suffer. That's not what he said. He's saying, you can conquer the challenges that lie ahead. And some of them you'll have to endure because of the sake of the gospel. For example... 2 so Timothy 1.8 Paul writes this, he says So you must never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord and don't be ashamed of me either even though I am in prison for Christ. Not because I stole things. With the strength God gives you Be ready to suffer with me for the proclamation of the good news. In other words, in order to spread the gospel to hostile people, are you willing to suffer and go and do it? So Paul is issuing this challenge to Timothy. The same one that God gave Paul. The same challenge. He's saying, Timothy, this is what God said to me. I'm asking you, are you prepared to suffer in order to preach the gospel to hostile people? You don't have to go, but I'm asking you to. So you know what's ahead of you, Timothy. So now you have to ask yourself this question. If a problem comes your way, you must ask yourself this question. Okay. Is this problem here now because I'm preaching the gospel? In other words, if you are witnessing to somebody in a foreign country and they put you in jail, you ask yourself this question, okay? Is this problem here because I stole something or because I'm preaching the gospel? It's because I'm preaching the gospel, right? It's got nothing to do with bad harvest. It's the devil attacking you through those people because you're preaching the gospel. So you use your faith, you command the devil to back off, and you continue preaching the gospel. But now, if your fridge breaks down at home, when you get back, it stops working, that's not because you're preaching the gospel. We've got to identify that's the devil stealing from you. Rebuke him and then tell him he's going to return money to pay for that fridge. In the name of Jesus. We've got to identify the problem. Identify the source of it. So I'll just go through that quickly again. There are either. yeah, they are. i make sure we get this. The devil tries to steal a word. Number one. Number two, wrong choices. Number three, storms come from sowing bad seed. Number four, uh, God can ask you to reach people for the gospel, and that can be a difficult challenge. But God doesn't send a problem. If the fridge breaks down, it's not God. Say this, if the fridge breaks down, it's not God. And don't say, God, why are you allowing this? It's not God allowing it. And if you get sick, don't say, well, God's allowing this. Or God sent it. Jesus did not die on the cross for you to get healed. Then go to heaven and sin make you sick. He's not schizophrenic. Why would He heal you Die on the cross to heal you, go to heaven and send sickness on you? Why would Jesus die on the cross your prosperity and financial ability of success, then go to heaven and send poverty to you. He's not schizophrenic. Satan has deceived millions of Christians around the world to believe that God allowed the devil to make them sick, make them poor, send problems, and God is allowing it. Liar from the devil. God is not in favor of the devil causing murder God's not in favor of the devil, causing rape and robbery and wars. God has never joined forces with the devil. God is not using the devil as his hitman to do his dirty stuff for him. God's not allowing the devil to do anything. He's given us authority to stop the devil. If a Christian is uncertain or unsure, wondering if God is allowing these problems in their life, they can have no faith to stop the problem, deal with the devil behind the problem. If the the disciples in the boat thought that God was allowing the storm, then they would never pray against the storm. If you think God's sending the storm or allowing the storm, you're not going to rebuke it. And Jesus settled that question. He rebuked the storm. That's clear then. It wasn't from God. It wasn't from God. Jesus would not just rebuke it. If it were. Joseph knew all along that God had called him to rescue his entire family and thereby preserve the seed of Christ to come to the earth. In Genesis 37, God gave Joseph two dreams. He dreamt about the bundles that stood up and bowed before him. His brothers got really unhappy about that. And they said in verse 8, So you think you will be our king, do you? And then Joseph had another dream about the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down to him. When he told them that, they all said, well, now you think your mother and father and all the brothers are going to bow down to you and, be, and you're going to be our king. The Bible here in this passage of Scripture tells us that Joseph had other dreams beside those two. It's clear God informed Joseph beforehand of the challenges he would face. When Joseph's brothers arrived in Egypt to buy grain, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers. He said, this is who I am, I'm Joseph. They never recognized him. In verse 45, chapter 45, Genesis, verse 5, Joseph said this, But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me uh, to this place. if God it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives, this famine that, was, that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting, say so seeing the future. There'll be now no more plowing nor harvesting for another five years. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your family alive and preserve many. Uh, survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you, and he is the one who made me an advisor to the Pharaoh to manage his entire palace and government of all Egypt, and governor of all Egypt. So just like Paul, God asked him, would you do this for me? God asked Joseph, would you do it for me? When Joseph had the dreams right at the beginning, he could have said, God, I'm not into this. I'm not willing to do this. I'm not willing to do this. He never said that. God may ask you to do something difficult, like he has asked me and Pastor Bev, like he's asked all the pastors to do. It's not easy being in the ministry full time. There are challenges. I can assure you of that. Being in a full-time ministry, there are very many challenges. But if you're willing to face those challenges and deal with them with your faith as you go, then by all means, go into the ministry. So, however, we know that Satan puts up, puts up the roadblocks, according to Matthew sixteen eighteen, and he comes to steal the word. But we have the authority in the name of Jesus to deal with Him. Matthew 18, 18. Jesus said, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed by heaven. Heaven back you up either way, whatever you bind. And John 14, 13. And whatever you command in my name that I'll do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Well, I rushed through that as quick as I could. It's a big subject. But if you watch a Christian movie, 10 to 1, somebody's going to die, and then somebody's going to be upset, and then somebody's going to say to them, listen, it's God's plan, just accept it. No, it's not. You'll hear that in 90% of Christian movies, it's not God's plan. God's given us 70, 80, 90 years to live. Sickness is not God's plan. An accident and death is not God's plan. Romans eight twenty nine. all things work together for good to those who love God and call to His purpose. That doesn't mean bad things are good. That's talking about prayer, praying in the Holy Ghost. Romans 8, is praying in the Holy Ghost. Those who pray in the Holy Ghost, all things work together for good because the Holy Ghost is praying the will of God into your life. And God's will is good, always good. So if tragedy is on the way, and the Holy Ghost warns you, and you pray in tongues, the tragedy will be stopped. So all things work together for good to those who now are to yield the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues. And if you don't, you can pray in tongues. We can help you with that. So remember this child of God. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give you abundant life. Your problems are not from God. They are from the devil. Do not accept them. Do not accept them. And God is not working with the devil. He's not allowing the devil to do that. He's never joined forces with Satan. Satan is not the devil's hitman. I'm angry with you. I'm going to send the devil to sort you out. That's not God's way. All right? Praise God. I love you all.